Oh, hello. We're back at it again. If you are a faithful follower, I didn't post an episode last week. I just wasn't feeling it. And I was like, you know what? I can do that. But we're back to the World Studies pod class in the first unit, and that is the culture unit. And if you've noticed a shift in the music, the background music, it's because we're getting into religion and Buddhism. We're in part two of Buddhism. Then we're going to do Hinduism, Christianity, Islam. I don't know the specific order. You'll find out week by week. We are, last week we looked at what is Buddhism, the Buddha, and what's Buddhism all about. Not trying to convert you into any religion, more so what the approach is, is what can we learn from these religions? Can we, as a non-practicing Buddhist, Hindu, Christian, Muslim, can we take anything from these religions? Like All these religions, they're timeless, right? They're like classic. They are thoughts that have been passed down and tested. Um, and I mean, not all religions are wise, I would say, but there is there has to be wisdom in each religion, I would think. Because if there wasn't, it wouldn't be as sacred and like held as deeply as it is. Like if it, if the religion currently exists, there has to be some form of truth in there. Now there's like dogma, but like, and I wonder just thinking out loud, like love is important. Is that true? In like the big scheme of, if we're just going like entirely objective nature, right? Like is love really that important? Because a lot of religions like, encourage love like christianity it's love thy neighbor as thyself love god and love your neighbor that's what we're going to talk about when we get to christianity is that truth i don't know Last week, we looked at uh, the four noble truths and essentially got to, we got to three of them and it was pretty much that life is filled with suffering and dissatisfaction. Suffering and dissatisfaction comes from your human desires and we can reduce or remove suffering by removing desires. I commented, I find there to be like a, a line, right? Like if you lose your child, in an accident or to cancer, you can't be like, well, like, not too attached anyway, right? Like, we should be attached. Like, that part of what life is, is to, like, experience the good things in life and, like, and enjoy it. But there's a lot of things that I think that we are attached to and, like, the this sense of self. Like, things didn't go the way I wanted them to go. Well, in reality, it's not your universe. You're just a part of it. You are a tiny speck in the universe. So if like things don't go the way that you want them to go, that's reality. And I, I was also, again, I'm not a Buddhist. So I'm just some guy that's like looking at this stuff and like forming thoughts. I think it's, there's a lot of validity to it. I think 
it doesn't mean have no expectations or desires. So like to work towards something, but when something has happened and is now entered into reality, it is what it is. And how much time do you want to waste like thinking about or like being sad about or suffer from, I wish it wasn't like that. And there is a spectrum, just like for a lot of things, there's a spectrum, right? Like stubbing your toe all the way to someone you love dying from cancer. And it it could go even further. It is what it is. Find beauty in things and experience things with gratitude because you don't even have to exist at all. The fact that you exist is fascinating. And to even like experience, we were talking last week, like part of what makes the peaks in life and like the high moments so much more valuable and meaningful is because there are also equally deep lows. So when you're experiencing a high, have gratitude. And when you're experiencing a low, embrace it and like you're experiencing emotions too like it's better that i would think to and again to an extent right and like i've lived i've lived a blessed life but like when you're experiencing suffering like you're experiencing sadness like embrace that like it's part of being human feel all of it but to reduce your suffering we have to get rid of this sense of i like what I want. And I'm going to manipulate things and people so things go the way that I want them to go. And if they don't go the way that I want them to go, I am not content. Interesting. So we looked at the Four Noble Truths last week, got to the third one. The fourth one is that the Noble Eightfold Path will lead to Nirvana. Now, what is Nirvana? It's like peak enlightenment. It's like the peak moment of being where like everything becomes one now what we're going to be doing today is looking at the eightfold path there are eight aspects of our life that if we are following this properly we will experience enlightenment that's essentially like lack of suffering no negative things in our life it's divided into three groups the moral discipline group made up of right speech, right action, and right livelihood. The concentration group made up of right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And then the wisdom group made up of right view and right intention. So moral discipline, concentration, and then wisdom. Now, as I said, what we're going to do is go through all of these. And then I'm just going to talk about what it is. And then what I have my students do when, if they decide to go to the Buddhism lesson is we go into the whole suffering thing. And then we, their homework is they have to go through the eightfold path and then give themselves a grade, A, B, C, D, or F. Like, how are you doing at right intentions, for instance? And then the question of like, how can you get better? How could you improve your speech? So without further ado, let's go through the eightfold path Again, not trying to make you a Buddhist. We're just trying to gain wisdom so we can improve our lives. 
And if you don't think that you can get anything from these religions, then you're just, I don't think you're making the most of life. Like these are ancient thoughts that have been, have gone through the test of time. It's not going to kill you to read it or learn about it or to think about it. All right. The first path is right view. And according to just things I've read up on, again, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm a dude who is a social studies teacher who's done some research and is figuring out a way to communicate this to you so they'll make you think. So keep this in mind. Uh, From what I've read is the right view is like the, almost the center point. It's like the most important. And it's because the reason being is your view on life impacts how you understand reality and then your actions, your reactions, right? So you are constantly reacting to things. Like you have input, you're uh, making sense of your surroundings and information, and then you react to it. And you need to start off with having the right view. Essentially saying that everything that's coming into your brain and like that you're making sense of in your surroundings needs to go through the filter, we'll call it, of the right view. And so examples of the right view are uh, compassion, loving, kindness, wisdom, and releasing the conceit of self. So like, for instance, something happens. I think a lot of the, a lot of times we like to like make that a part of our story. Like, oh, this happened to me. You know, like the Eagles losing. It's like, why do they always do this to me, right? You like freak out. Like, no, it's not. It's you, you have to remove that conceit of self along with conceit of self, along with everything that you're experiencing. Put it through the filter of love and kindness and wisdom. As opposed to everything you experience, put it through like greed and hatred and delusion. Like when you, let's say, just going to give an example, a politician says something that you very much disagree with, or someone says something that you very much disagree with about politics. Let that like process through your body with the intentions of love versus the intentions of anger and like hatred and greed and whatever else, your response and even the way you understand it is going to be two separate actions. If you follow, like someone says something to me and I like, I put it through the filter of love, right? Like when it's going through my body, it's from a loving perspective. I understand it from a loving perspective and then I can, I'm more likely to respond to it with a loving perspective. As opposed to if I'm like, and it's easy when someone says something like anger or like annoyance or like they're stupid. When that goes through and how you understand something, you're much more likely to have a negative reaction, right? You're angry when you respond, you talk down on them because you think they're stupid, right? So everything you interact with, And as you make sense of the world, you have to have the right view. And it's based on this lack of sense of self 
that like it's not like this goes to the Sonder thing that I've talked about in one of my first three episodes that like the idea that you are either the center of the web or something else is the center of the web. So like, is it your universe or are you just a part of the universe? And if you like, the more you think about like, you're just a part of the universe, things that happen, you, you are experiencing it, but these things aren't happening to you. It's not like this isn't your story. And even like if something, and I think like the, the love thing, right? Like someone does something that, you, something that you disagree with, it's not your, you know, it's not your action, right? Like it's, they have done it and you might do it differently, but like they have done what they've done. They are they just like you are you, right? Equally a human and like going, th- going through everything as intricate as you are, they have done something differently. Let your understanding of it and your reaction to it go through the filter of love and wisdom and kindness. I like that. I don't do, I don't think I do, I think I do an okay job, but I can easily get out of that. And like when I'm annoyed, it's like when you're annoyed everything is just a little bit more annoying, annoying, you know? And like, that goes with the suffering thing. Like who's having a bad day then? If I, if like, like everything I am experiencing and reacting to and like making sense of is going through like anger and annoyance, that's all that's doing is just making me, it's making me have a bad day. And then what it also does is then I like, lash out on that and I act out on my annoyance or anger, then it makes other people have a bad day. But initially like this suffering, like dissatisfaction is because everything I'm looking at when I'm annoyed is just more annoying. So remove that from, and it way easier said than done. I think like the how to do it there, like, I think that's where like you really dive into Buddhism. Like, you can try, you know, you can like wake up every day and like, I'm going to have the right view. And then someone cuts you off on your way to work and you're like, and just forget about it. I think the meditation, like there's all these practices that I'm not familiar with. And like, you can do what you want. I'm, I'm sure there are theories and practices within Buddhism that will help with having the right view. So how are you doing in that? Daily experience. Is everything that you are experiencing, like you're making sense of, you're seeing, because I guess it starts with seeing and then like obviously like the different senses, but a lot of it is seeing. How, what's, what funnel is it going through? Are you looking at the world with, uh, was it rose colored lenses? Is that the saying? Like I bought these yellow glasses and I love them because it just makes everything a little bit brighter. And like when I'm walking around and I have the yellow glasses on, like things just look more fun. And then we take them off. It's like dull. You're like, wah, wah. Like, am I doing that on a not literal level? How are you doing at that? I would give myself like a B for this. I think the issue that I come across is the consistency. 
But perhaps this week, think about, like, take a second. And when you initially react to something, think about, like, do I have the right view on this? Like, Is this going through the filter of love and, like, joy and kindness? Or am I just annoyed and it's making life more annoying for me? Because, again, there's the two things. It's, it's increasing suffering for you and dissatisfaction. And then your, like, inward is negative and then your outward is more likely to be negative. What grade would you give yourself? And then how can you do the right view? I think just, I think like starting in the mornings and just thinking about like setting those intentions. If you want to do like meditation or prayer, you know, like could be a post-it note or something, but like start the day thinking, Okay, like I got to, when I experience something, just try to be more consistent and like just evaluate your own response to things. Something happens and you like immediately react. Take a second, like how, how did I react and why did I react that way? Was it through the filter of kindness, happiness, joy, right? The wholesome things in life. Okay, next one, right intentions. Having the intention of harmlessness. Essentially, you have the aim of not causing pain, loss, or destruction to any living thing. So, like, to not knowingly bring about any negativity towards anything. And, like, that's obviously humans. So... Like, again, like it's, you have to set the intention. So you have the correct intentions of harmlessness. So you could do like the backhanded compliment. And the issue with the backhanded compliment is that in the court of law, you could be like, your honor, this is what I said. Like when you read it out loud, it's not bad, but your intentions were not good. What are... And that is, again, like, that's very, you have to look in the mirror and, like, what are my intentions when I do this or when I say this towards other people? To If I knowingly have negative intentions as if from my actions or my thoughts or whatever towards someone else, if I don't wish it to be positive... I don't have good intentions. Like, this goes pretty deep. Um, And it it might even be ignorance is bliss, but now that I'm going to say it, it, like, you might go down a rabbit hole with this one. Um, But, like, from what I was reading, it's even, like, the ripple effects that would cause harm to others. For instance, like, the use of fossil fuels, it's, like, warming the planet for climate change. Or like driving, like how often are you driving? Or like, what are you consuming? Are you purchasing goods that were made in oppressive conditions? Or like your use of plastic, whatever, you know, like these are things that even like, and this is where it gets very difficult, but like buying solar panels isn't actually that great. Now, I think the thing is with like the intention, I'm not buying stuff with intention. Like I don't go and buy things from a sweatshop because I'm like, yo, screw those people in Bangladesh, right? I don't have those intentions. 
But if your intention is to be harmless, you have to think about like your actions and think like, is this causing harm to people? Such as what you're purchasing. What businesses you're supporting. How you're eating food. Like, I just switched from almond milk to oat milk today because my buddy, shout out to Hackman, was like, bro, almond milk is terrible. You know, like, went, just gave me the whole rundown of like how much water it uses. And I was like, dang, (laughs) you know, like, uh, fine. So like now I'm doing oat milk and I'm sure uh, someone will be like, bro, oat milk, are you serious? And then like, tell me something else. Like, all right, geez, I'm sorry. But like you, it's not, I don't think ignorance is bliss necessarily because it's, if you have the intention of harmless being harmless or harmlessness, then you have to consider what action, what is my action and is it causing harm to others? And you have to think about the ripple effects that's incredibly difficult. Now, the other thing is like all living things. And I feel like, yeah, I talked before for like the taboo episode, like pigs. I'm going through a tough time with that one because I had bacon today. You know, but like that's, that's obviously causing harm to another animal, to another living thing. If it's a lot... I even feel bad now because like I've been thinking about this stuff like when I go to except for ants like I will slaughter a entire empire of ants but if there's like a cricket or something like a bug near me I'm even like now just like oh, I can't kick you like why why would I do that <laughs> you know like well, this was never part of my life before but all of a sudden you're just like oh, why would I well why would I kick you you know? And sometimes I still kick him. Like, you shouldn't be here. Flop! Like, insects in my house. I'm like, this is my house. And like, try to punch him or whip him with a towel. Um, what I found, like, something that, from my readings, um, and they said, like, in American culture, I don't know if this is a thing, but like, the buyer beware. So like, when you are negotiating with someone or like, you're selling them something and then like, you almost like get something by them. Like maybe there's something wrong with the car, but like as long they didn't ask, you know, and like you sell it to them, that's not having the right intention. That's causing harm. Like you want to be harmless. You do not want to bring in any negativity into the world. And so like you selling a car and like, well, they didn't ask about whatever. I don't know anything about cars. And like, you can get more money from it. That's not a part of the way we should be living. You do not have the right intention there. Now you could be like, yeah, I got the right intention to make some money. I'm like, okay. And then like, I got to feed my kids. Like, oh, I don't know. Gets dicey. Okay. So Right intentions. What grade would you give yourself? I think this is, again, like we should go through this week, this upcoming week. I mean, there's eight of them, so it could be difficult, but what grade would you give yourself for your intentions in regards to your action? Is it causing harm to living things in the world? 
And like you got to think about the ripple effects. So such as like eating meat. Apparently cows just burp up a bunch of methane. Not good for the environment. How often are you driving? Fossil fuels. Where are you getting your clothes from? All this stuff, right? You got to we should evaluate. I feel like the more I think about it, I would give myself like if it was just like being friendly to people, I'd be like, oh, I'm probably like an A minus. But then like you get into all the other stuff. And you're like, geez, I'm probably like a C or a D. I don't know what you are. I don't even know what I am. I got to think about that one, I guess. Okay. Right speech. Few aspects. Abstinence from false speech. Do not, do not knowingly say what is not true. Now, like this says, like you don't have to tell people everything, but essentially, go through. It should go through three tests: is it true? Is it useful? Is it timely? And then apparently, the fourth one is: is it welcome? Is it true? Is it useful? Is it timely? Like constructive criticism. If someone asks you, like, what do you think of this? And, you know, it's like a thing they made. Don't lie. You don't have to, like, you can be honest. Again, and I think I like those three things. Is it true? Is it useful? Is it timely? Like, what you're about to say, if you're like, it sucks, this sucks, I hate it. Like, okay, I think there is a better way we could say it without lying. I, I'm not a fan of this because, and like, is it useful? The constructive criticism. Now, the, even going back to like the right intentions, like causing harm. Are they being harmed by this? I don't know. If they can't handle the truth, then they can't handle the truth. But the other things including with um, included in right speech would be abstinence from malicious speech or harsh speech. So malicious speech is the intention of, non, of ill will, essentially. So that's kind of like the backhanded compliment thing. When you're talking to people, are you telling them the truth? Are you hoping that the things you're saying is useful? As in, is for the betterment of blank, their life, society, yourself, your relationship? Is it useful? Is it helping? Because you don't have to say it. You don't lie, but you don't have to say it. And then I think the timely thing too Right, like, let's say someone, I'm thinking of music because I make music. And, like, I wish people would, this is something, like, surrounding yourself with yes men, right, like, not good. You need people to tell you the truth. There's a time, like, I, I think, if, like, imagine someone goes on stage and, like, performs a song and bombs and, like, everyone's booing them, which would be really extreme. And then they come back and, like, yeah, well, here's what you do, you know, and, like, you tell them everything they did wrong. That's not timely. How, when words are coming out of your mouth, is it making the world a better place? Pretty much. Are you polite to people? Are you, and that's like the right view thing too, right? Are you saying things with love? And is it useful? It is, is it improving the world? Honesty is very important. Just tell someone straight up, like, I don't think that's a good idea. And here's why. With the intention of what you are saying is of worth. Don't lie. 
If someone asks if you like something and you didn't, she's like, that wasn't my favorite. You don't have to say like, that was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. And then the harsh speech, it's like how you're saying something. Are you being honest? Are you saying things with love? It all goes back to the, the wholesomeness and like the right view. What grade would you give yourself for that? So like, how do you speak to people? One, so like the tone um, and then the content. Are you lying? Are you telling people what they want to hear? Or are you giving them like constructive, useful things? I think people appreciate genuine, someone who's genuine. In the long run, I would say, but I'd be wrong. And that's another thing. I think, just a side note off that, like, are you surrounding yourself with yes people? Where, like, if I were to play someone a song, this is what I meant when I said, like, I wish it was like this for me with music. But, like, if I were to play someone a song and everyone's like, oh, yeah, dude, I love that. And, like, no one actually likes it. That does not help me. Tell me, again, the truth in a useful way, in a timely manner. Be honest, lovingly. Okay, right action. And part of this I found to be the um, right intentions for harmlessness, but abstinence from the destruction of life, abstinence from taking what is not given, abstinence from sexual misconduct. Go back to the loving thing of right view. Joy, kindness, lovingness, wisdom. And then do your actions reflect that? So like obviously the don't kill people. And this also connects to war as well, according to the Buddha. Um, And it, it says, and it might be true. Unlike other major religions, there has never been a war in the name of the Buddha. I like that. That's pretty cool when you think about that. No one's like, in the name of Buddha, I declare war and like do a crusade. Buddha would be like, whoa, now? That's not the eightfold path. And we're trying to get to Nirvana here. E-L-E. Everybody love everybody. So for the destruction of life, that includes eating things. But apparently there's a loophole. So... You cannot eat meat from an animal that was killed specifically to feed you. Now that like when you are going to, let's say McDonald's or like anywhere, Chick-fil-A, whatever, you're eating an animal that was killed to feed another human being, you. But from reading this and it says, hypothetically, If a chicken were killed for a family's dinner and some meat was left over and placed in a nun's begging bowl, she could eat it. So I guess it wasn't like killed for her. (laughs) It was still killed to be eaten, but it's leftover. It was going to get thrown out. You can eat that. I don't know. I don't know. So I guess you don't have to be full on vegetarian. You just got to check the trash cans. But 
this goes back to the pig thing, man, with the dogs and the pigs. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Seems kind of harsh. But the right action is what you're doing, your behavior. So not the things you're saying, but the things you're doing. Is it coming from the right place? So I like this one. Absence from taking what is not given. Like glancing at a letter sitting out on another person's desk. Did they say like you could look at this? If it wasn't given to you, it's not for you. This is like the sense self, the sense of self or I. Like, but I want to see that. I'm curious. Like, is it your business? Then don't look at it. Or looking at the photo of an actress sunbathing snapped by paparazzi. Did she offer the image voluntarily? That's interesting. Like, these are things, like, when you start to think about this, anything you're doing, anything you're taking, and that could even be looking at something. Did this person willingly give that? So like listening to gossip, for instance, is the person that's being talked about willingly giving you this information or are you getting the gossip? Like again, when you should not be. So that person doesn't know that this is being said about them and you're listening to it, you are taking what's not been given to you. That's information about them. Now you could be like, well, the other person's giving it to me. <laughs> like, yeah, but they're giving something without getting it. The right action. Do your actions reflect love? Does it go through the filter of love? Like, so listening to gossip is like, is this the loving thing to do? Probably not. Why? Because when someone's gossiping, they need someone to gossip to. So when you have someone, when you are the person that they are gossiping to, you are enabling gossip. And you can be like, yeah, but it's juicy. Yes, it probably is, but it's wrong. This one was interesting that I saw. There's $10 lying on the sidewalk. Do you pick it up? I don't know. Does it look old? <laughs> like, has it been there for... If I walk by it and then an hour later I walk by again, that changes things. I'm like, listen, man. If that person wanted that. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I got to stop. Um, abstinence from sexual misconduct. And like, obviously, uh, rape, molestation, incest. Um, that's just wrong um, but like flirting crossing the line if you will like being flirtatious in an instance when you should not be are you doing that if you're in a relationship or if that person is in a, is in a relationship like you know when you are being like extra flirtatious and if it's an instance, like flirting's not bad, 
But if, if it's in an instance where you know, like you know if you should be flirting with that person. So, right action. Does your behavior, has it gone through prior to you acting on something? Has it gone through the right view, the filter of love, joy, kindness? Are you perpetuating positivity in the world through your actions and your behaviors? That includes, that's not, I I think when we think of action, it's like something that's physical. We're like opening up the door for someone. But it's also like where you're looking, what you're listening to. Listening to gossip is not right action. How are you doing in that? Is can if you can you say everything that you are doing is instilling positivity into the world? I cannot. And then the how I think we just like we need to be looking at our behavior with the right view. I it does make sense like from what I've read the like it all starts with the right view. Right livelihood. Mindfulness of the body, not clinging to self, avoiding harm to oneself and others. Tend to the mental mental dimension and focus on the fundamental causes which we'll get into. Mindfulness of the body. So like the right livelihood. Are you living healthy? So be aware of your body. I think stretching is a big one. Obviously like yoga, that's big in a few of these religions or philosophies. But are you taking care of your body? Are you trying to live a healthy life? Are you eating properly? Are you overworking yourself? Like, are you way too just physically exhausted? I think that, like, there are, there is plenty of research that shows that, like, being physically fit or, like, working to be physically fit has a lot of benefits other than, like, building muscle. Helps with focus, sleep, um, mental health. I'm not saying it solves all that stuff, but seeking to be healthy in multiple aspects. So sleep, eating, thinking. Think like having time for like stillness, so you can just reflect. And then obviously the physical. That is, according to Buddhism, like that is a way to reach a peak sense or state. Nirvana. Uh, Not clinging to the self. That's the, almost like Christianity would call it the flesh. Uh, They're saying like not getting identified with views, but rather seeing yourself as a part of the whole, not you are like something exceptional. 
So this sense of like ego and pride and all that like can be reduced. I don't know if it can be fully removed. It's kind of impossible. Uh, again, I would say that, but like someone who's a Buddhist might be like, it can be done through meditation. Who knows? Um, I liked the focus on the fundamental causes. I found this line to be interesting and it's Buddhism teaches us to make earnest efforts in the things we do, but our actions should not be mixed with desire. They should be performed with the aim of letting go and realizing non-attachment. We do what we need to do, but with letting go, we do our work according to our responsibilities rather than because of a wish to get something. If we act like this, we can be at ease. It's a matter of making causes. If the causes are good, the result is bound to be good. If we think like this, there will be lightness of mind. This is called right livelihood. So your actions, and it goes to the actions, um, it connects to that. I mean, all of these are in a sense connected, but it's the think about the cause. If the cause is good as to why you're doing it, then the result is bound to be good with the removal of self. So I'm not teaching. I'm not working my job as a teacher for like the paycheck or any of the personal rewards. It's for like, oh, well, this is beneficial to society. It's almost like the, the being a servant. Is it a good cause? And like not... I want to do it because it makes me feel good. Now, like teaching does make me feel good. I do it because I like it. Now, I'm also a firm believer in the cause of teaching and like why it's important and like being in education. But what Buddhism is about is like remove that sense of self of like, I want to do this or if I do this, I will get this reward. It's not about the reward. It's about the cause of doing it and the effects. The cause should not be the reward that I will get because I have to remove my sense of self. If the causes are good, the result is bound to be good. And the good should be framed with the right view of love, joy, kindness, all the good, all the thing that's positive. That should be the cause. It's not about the paycheck. It's not, if I do this, I will get a raise. It's, I should do this because this is the right thing to do. And whatever that is, you do that. You don't do the other stuff that's like, well, this is going to get me the most money. How are we doing in that? That was, that was the tough one for me, right? Because I think that I do a lot of things for like the good, but also like there's a lot of things I do that are just purely selfish. That's like, oh, I like doing this. So I'm going to do it for me. Again, like, I don't know if I think it's a bad thing, right? Like you are experiencing life and like you want to bring things that, you want to do things that bring joy to your own life. But what Buddha is saying is like, you remove that sense of self of like the things that bring you joy. Don't, don't worry about that. Do the things that are good. 
that have the correct cause, like that are go that are through the right view. I don't think I do a great job at that. I think that I this is just me, and like maybe me saying things about myself will like make you think. I like to do things that I think will have positive benefits to the world. Like even honestly, like this podcast. I'm not just doing this because I'm not just doing this because I think it's going to like help people and like education, whatever. I like, I do this because I like to do it. So there's greed in that. So if that's not following right livelihood into an extent, like, I don't know how I'm doing with that then. I think this all like, this also connects to right intentions, mindfulness of the body and, um, avoiding harm to self and others like eating healthy being healthy i think i do a decent job at that and like i think that's something that i think a lot of people could focus on and again i'm talking about myself so like you could think about you how are you doing to yourself how are you to yourself physically mentally emotionally spiritually are you eating the right things are you like stretching your body out are you breathing well Are you taking time to reflect on your own emotions and like give your brain time to breathe, but then also give your brain like the joy of working and not just like the mundane things that we do with work sometimes, but like things that make your brain light up. I don't know what that is. Could be Sudoku. I think I said that right puzzles, riddles, math, games, whatever. They get your brain like thinking. How are you to yourself? What grade would you give yourself for that? And how are you on yourself? So not like just beating yourself up all the time. I think that one's tough. You know, like just getting real down on yourself. It's not easy. Number six, right effort. I find this to be very similar to intention and view and action, but there's unwholesome states and then wholesome states. Unwholesome states are greed, hatred, delusion. Again, it's kind of like right view. Um, and in your effort in things, I guess, that like avoid unwholesome states. I find that to be just connected. So someone who is Buddhist or who knows more than I do, like, please let me know about this one. What they're saying is in your effort, do things with generosity, diligence, insight, wisdom, loving, kindness, concentration, bliss, joy. So I guess for effort when you do something do it well so that's like the concentration aspect and diligence do it right it's like the lesson i learned in construction whatever you do do it right the first time i still don't live by that all the time my wife can attest but that and do it with joy that connects to the actions i think but i guess there's like multiple ways of looking at it within your action 
your energy, when you're putting your energy into something, and then it feels like intention, you know, like I feel like you could just say that into another one of the eightfold paths, but I like, liked, uh, cultivate your garden. It's an ongoing conscious and wholehearted application of energy into cultivating the garden of your mind and your heart. And then what helps you keep weeding, pruning, planting, fertilizing day after day after day? How are you, like, your effort in life? How are you in, and it's this is cultivating the garden of your mind and your heart. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's how they would put it. I think that just means, like, how are you dealing with, like, your mental health? Where is your effort at? Are you diligent in doing it? Like, are you consistent in trying to do that? Like take care of your mentals as Marshawn Lynch would put it. Your chickens. Are you diligent and consistent? And do you do it with concentration? When you're focusing on yourself in that moment, how is your energy? Or is everything just like, man, it'll get done. Who cares? Whatever. Ah, it'll figure itself out. What's the point? Is that you like things outside of yourself and inside yourself, right? So like, I think people get so caught up in outside things that they just neglect and maybe willingly like neglect inside. And then like when they do, people are like, I'm going to get into meditation. And then they do it and they're like, just, they do it for like five minutes or whatever. And they're like, as they're doing it, thinking about all this other stuff, your effort isn't there. Your energy is not focused. So what you're doing when you do it, have the right effort. Makes sense. I just think that's connected to intention. But what grade would you give yourself in your effort in things? Do you Are you concentrated, diligent? And is it with love and joy? I think the joy is a big one. Do you do things with joy? Mindfulness. Mindfulness is a continuous, non-judgmental, accepting awareness of your inner and outer world. And from this reading, especially your inner one, the flow of experience. Grounded awareness. Are you in the moment? I did one a podcast on... Um, the moment really it's, it was like the relativity of time and how time, uh, we go into autopilot and every year is getting shorter and we can be in the moment. And that's what like being mindful is. It's, I like um, what they said. It's grounded awareness, the flow of experience, the non-judgmental accepting awareness. I like that. 
Things are happening around you. Are you in the moment and experiencing it non-judgmentally? You are as present as you possibly can be. And that happens with being mindful, like being awake. Don't be thinking about the past, thinking about the future. Like, oh, once I get done this, I got to go here. And you're like thinking about like the next thing. I have a student. If this student is listening, he or she will know that I'm talking about them. But this student is like, what are we doing in... I have this student for first and second period. They're like, what are we doing in second period? And I'm like, well, that's for the future you to worry about. Like, be in first period. We'll get to second period. If you spend your time... And just listen to the the moment podcast. From moment to moment, they follow the way, right? It's the, we're not worried about the future. We're not clinging to the present. And we're not constantly reflecting on the past and like being nostalgic. Just be in the moment. Like when you're in a room with people, are you thinking about something else? Other people, like what you wish you were doing? Are you on your phone, like texting other people? Or are you just like, if I'm sitting across from someone, it's just me and this person. I'm going to like try to figure out like what is the essence of their soul? Who are they in the truest sense? And like try to be with that person, like your physical surroundings. I think that's something that like earlier humans were a lot better at. I don't know about like the being in the moment, but at least like being in tune with their physical surroundings. Like, do you know what phase of the moon it is? What was the last, like, just that's a legit question. Do you know what the moon currently is right now? And even if you don't know the name of it, like, do you know what it looks like? Because unless it's cloudy, it's out there. You know, like, are you in tune with your surroundings? the feelings of others or are you like off somewhere else, right? You walk into a room, like, can you get a read of like, I don't know how people feel. Are you in tune with reality? And I like that. The non-judgmental accepting awareness of your inner and outer world. Accepting awareness of the things around you. And then your inner, like, When something happens, and this goes to like the, how can we get better? I think a lot of it is the non-judgmental accepting awareness of the inner self. Like when something happens, like think about what was my reaction to that or how I understood it. And then what was my action? And accepting like, that's how I felt about that. And that is okay. Um, I would like to feel differently about that. Like I'd like to have better intentions when I said that or when someone said something to me, I'd like to respond to that better. That's mindfulness. It's being in tune. A lot easier said than done. Like I... I think about this one a lot and I think cause I, 
I guess, I don't know, because I like study history so much. Like I'm constantly thinking about time and how it's passing. And then it's like that feeling of like, oh, you got to just be in the moment, man. And sometimes I am, but sometimes I'm not. And that's one, like when I ask you, like, how are you doing at that? For me, I think I'm doing okay. I know I could do better. It's just so tough with life. Like it's, I am thinking about tomorrow because I like I'm teaching tomorrow. You know, I, I have to think about that stuff. And when I'm wake up, I'm like, oh, what do I got to do today? You know, like I'm, you know, and it's tough to put that aside where it's like, there will be a time to think about that. But like right now, just be in the moment. Or, you know, like I was just chilling. I'm chilling in this room right now. And like my dogs were here. And, you know, just like to be in the moment with my dogs, like, because again, I just feel like I say this a lot of the podcast, but like time is fleeting. Someday this will all be gone. Someday we will be on our deathbeds. Ideally, we're old. And maybe we'll be saying to ourselves like, man, if I could just have like one more day like that would be great. And like how much more we'd pay attention to the little things, you know, like the sun coming up, the clouds going by, the direction of the wind, like the sound of leaves, of the breeze on leaves, you know, like people around us and how much we would wish to just like smile at people and like for people to be happy. I d- <laughs> maybe <laughs> that like someone like their last day, they would just love to go around like flip people off like screw you know like be angry I think what most people would say like if they had one more day like they would want to experience love and joy you know and like like I was saying this to Kendra yesterday we it was like 10 o'clock at night and I was like do you want to go to Messiah like our uh, alma mater and so we went there and we were just walking around at night and like we were laughing about like old memories and which is good, you know, like it's fun to do that. And I was saying like, wouldn't it be so cool to just like go to bed and then wake up one day and I'm in my old college bed and I like walk outside and like my, or I go out in the living room and like my boys are just chilling in the living room. Like, yo, what's up? You know, like to just go back to that just one day and like to just relive like a Saturday in college with my friends who've all moved away, you know, that I think about that. And like, I'm saying this now as 27 and I am sitting in a room and I got like my dogs and my wife is downstairs doing grad school. Like that's probably the same thing when I'm like 40, I'm like, man, wouldn't it be sweet to like, just wake up when I didn't have kids. No offense to like any future kids I might have. And I'm sure I'll love them, but like, there's, there's going to be a time where I'll be like, man, it'd be, just be cool to just wake up in like my house at Midtown, like with Jack and Cricket and like Kendra. And like, we just did whatever we want on a Saturday. And I'm in that right now. You know, that's what I'm saying that it's, 
the best thing you can do because like that's the it is what it is like this suffering i think a lot of people freak out like time is leaving them it's like that's just a reality of life like you experience linear time and there is an expiration date like it ends your experience ends now if there's an afterlife we can get into that another time but your time on earth in this life is finite and the best thing it is what it is right the best thing that you can do is be in the moment and be mindful how are you doing at that because it's one thing and this is where i think i struggle with at times and i said this but it's one thing to think like i need to be in the moment right now and then to actually be in the moment and then to do it consistently is tough last one right concentration i think this one is the meditation essentially it's applying your attention and the deliberate focusing of an intention on an object so like examples that i'm getting here are teacher's presentation sensations of the upper lip um interesting stillness between two thoughts i think that connects to the mindfulness mindfulness is the uh across time i would think of just being in the moment and then like when you're in the moment like focus in on something and like really concentrate so the benefits of concentration i'm reading cultivates the will trains the mind to a greater steadiness thus aiding both sila and insight overcomes the hindrances greed lust aversion sloth restlessness remorse doubt um and the deepest states of concentration known as samadhis i apologize if i'm saying these wrong eliminate the hindrances for the temporary duration of the state this is one of the rewards of samadhis it breeds conviction and faith the deeper states of concentration are not ordinary states and when you experience them it becomes palpably palpably clear that the fruits of practice include increasingly stable profound wonderful joyous magnificent conditions of the heart and mind i think it's just like being fully fully present and in the moment and like able to just focus on something entirely like even the focusing on the stillness in between two thoughts what <laughs> i'm like thinking about that right now like i don't do that i just think about i have one thought and then i have the next thought but i don't think about the time in between those two thoughts because then that would be like how what do you do like what is that am i thinking about not thinking I don't know. Uh, I got to think about that one, you know, like, and I, I maybe that's like the meditation I, I've done. I've done some meditation before and it's like, you got to, you could like look at something and focus on it and then like let and think about it, I guess, or just almost like the blurry vision focus on something and then just let your brain go wherever it goes. But concentrating on something, I guess like the pra it's practicing. 
Like you stare at something and you focus on it so hard <laughs> that eventually like you'll just realize something that you never would have realized before without concentrating. That makes sense. And I think what this is saying is it becomes palpably clear. I can't say that for I mumble, so palpably clear that the fruits of practice of, I think, concentration, so perhaps meditation, include increasingly stable, profound, wonderful, joyous, magnificent conditions of the heart and mind. They're saying the benefits, like the results of taking time to practice concentrating, um, profound, wonderful, joyous, magnificent conditions of the heart and the mind. I like, I'm viewing it like this. If I were to take time and like stare at the corner in my room that I'm looking at, there is something that I've never noticed that if I were to stare long enough and like have enough concentration, I'll notice. Like even now I'm looking at just the different hues of whatever color that is. And like, perhaps the next day when I'm walking around, like I'll just be noticing like different shades of colors. I don't know. That seems to make sense to me. Now, like me staring at a corner, like maybe I'm going to reach some like deep epiphany and like reach Nirvana, but I, I don't know. But I think the previous example I just said of like the different hues and like shading that makes sense. I would not have thought about that otherwise. Picking something and focusing on and concentrating will just give me more time to think densely. Is that right? Dense to think densely to say like he's dense is offensive. I'm pretty sure. I think the, like, I just read a book, Stillness is the Key, and I thought it was good. It's like, it wasn't necessarily like a self-help book. I don't like viewing stuff like that to be self-help because I have other things that I go to for that. But it was just talking about like, how often do you take time to like, be quiet without distractions, like that's the mindfulness, and then think about something. Could be thinking about nothing, or you could pick something and just take time and just be still on it rather than going to the next thing, you know, like constantly like, Oh, gotta get here. Gotta here. Gotta do that. What am I doing tomorrow? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like moving on, taking time to separate and focus. And I think going back. So what grade would you give yourself for concentrating, like focusing on something? Me <laughs> concentrating is not my strong suit because I am like constantly thinking about like the implications of so many that, you know, like my brain doesn't stop and I think I would benefit from like just sitting there and looking at something and thinking about it. And then like, eventually I'll probably get off thought and then like, okay, got to get back on track and just like practice that. 
I would give myself a C for concentration. I think maybe my wife would be like, you're a D. I'm <laughs> like, okay, I don't know. I might think I'm better than I am. I don't know. Um, but I think this all goes back to right view. And a lot of the things I'm even catching myself saying is like, how are you doing at that? And then like, how can you get better? I think it's mindfulness. And I think it's being more aware of from like, from when you wake up, setting the intention, like today I'm going to try to act on love and like perceive the world through the lens of love. And then when you do perceive something, so you receive information, it goes through the whole process that it does in the brain and then like action, reaction, what is your reaction? And then like let it be. And I think that's the accepting, uh, how is it worded? The non-judgmental accepting awareness. Let your reaction be what it is. And then, then take the moment and be like, okay, how did I react right there? Why did I react like that? How could it be different? And I think the why you react, like if you react negatively, I think it connects to like the right view of if you look at something through the annoyed or angry or hateful lens, your reaction is going to be something like that. And like, why are you annoyed or why are you hateful or angry? Like what? Because it's not what you wanted. Like something happens, like that's not what I wanted. And you're annoyed. Like you have to let go of that sense of self. You are essentially just air. (laughs) And I, I might be like going a little bit too deep on this one, but you essentially are just something that is existing just like everything else that is existing. Sure, you're conscious, but you are a set of molecules that has come into being and will stop being and will like will break down in the dirt. This is not your universe. You are a part of the web. You are connected. You are an extension of consciousness. It's like the Grateful Dead song, like the eyes of the world. You you are not the world. You are a way for like the world to see itself and like make comments on itself. You are extension of a consciousness. Singular consciousness, I don't know, but like when all these humans come together and they're communicating, like they are sharing consciousness. The same is true for you. This is not your universe. So remove that sense of like what you want and like the foundation of everything that you do should be based off of what is good. So let's do tomorrow or even today, set the intention of everything I do, I'm going to reflect back and say, was that good? And as the song is ending, I think that's how we wrap it up, folks. Have the right view. Joy, love, understanding. Feels like we're getting into the Christianity stuff, which we will. But until then, this is the end of class. The bell is ringing. Adios. (laughs) 